Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everybody. Today we'll be reading Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 14. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. And the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This is also vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be quick or be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for the anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as, or God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. This is God's word. Thanks, Drew. Well, good morning again, everybody. Uh, sorry I forgot to dismiss kids. I just figured since mine weren't here, uh, <laughs> like, forget it. Everyone's in here today. Oh, man. I can't, I mean, I think this has happened before on Father's Day, I feel like, for us. It's just the perfect storm, right? Um, you know, my kids are three, six, and nine. Something is bound to happen at home, so. Um, but I do want to say happy Father's Day to all you dads, every dad a part of the club this morning. Um, I think the best way I could describe being a dad is that it's really fun and really terrifying <laughs> at the same time. I don't know if, if you're with me on that, but uh, I remember when our first daughter was born, my daughter Adele, and we, uh, we were at the hospital, and we were just in awe. You know, here is this little seven-pound, nine-ounce little bundle of joy, and uh, we were just, we couldn't take our eyes off of her. And we hung out at the hospital for as long as we possibly could. It's like we didn't want to leave. They had to kick us out type thing. 
And I think the reason we did that was because uh, we just liked the safety, right? We wanted to keep her safe around all these like medical professionals and machines. And, you know, we don't want to take her out to the world because, you know, the world is like, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's bad stuff out there. And so we just had these two days where we just kind of were in awe of this little, little uh, baby. And, you know, we didn't want to take her out. I remember when we did, um, I strapped her into the car and it was just so weird, you know? And I, I finally realized what people were talking about when they said hey, we're carrying precious cargo. Uh, finally, the Hallmark stuff started to like set in. And I, we were in downtown Portland. I remember pulling out on the street and I drove about five miles an hour. <laughs> Just, I don't want anything to, to happen, you know? Like, I had never been in an accident, but this was going to be the day, you know? Um, so, you know, I think the reason, you know, why we, wh why this happens is we carry a lot of weight as parents. You know, we carry a lot of weight. You know, we're responsible for this little life, and as much as we might want to protect it, like, there's always stuff that happens. Uh, there's always adversity that our kids face. We can't protect our kids from all the bad things that could happen. And I know coming on Father's Day, that Father's Day is complicated for a lot of us. Like, some of the adversity that we have faced might have come from our fathers. Um, some of the stuff that we're wrestling with might be between issues between our kids or, or our dad. And so I want to recognize that today. Um, but as we continue our series in Ecclesiastes 7, we're going to talk about two ideas. We're going to talk about wisdom and adversity and how they're linked. Wisdom and adversity are linked. And Solomon talks about that in Ecclesiastes 7. Life is always going to have adversity. Life is always going to have pain. It's always going to have suffering. Um, but life also requires a lot of wisdom. Life requires wisdom or we can end up in a place we don't want to end up. And so we need wisdom to help us navigate through some of the rough waters of life. And so I wanted to talk about what both those things are. I want to talk about what wisdom is and then what adversity is. So to put it really simply, being wise is to live skillfully. It's to, it's to live skillfully. It's the, it, the word they use here in Ecclesiastes is the word hakma, and it means to have a technical skill, experience, or shrewdness. You know, shrewdness, we might think of like, you know, that's not super positive, but shrewdness, it's to, uh, it's to look at something and figure out what's my best option, to look at all the challenges and opportunities and be able to say, okay, what, what's the best path here? And that's wisdom. And Solomon, you might know, actually wrote the literal book on wisdom. That's kind of what we're going through right now. Ecclesiastes, he wrote Proverbs, he wrote Song of Solomon. There's actually six books of the Bible that are wisdom books. Five are in the Old Testament, and there's one in the New Testament. Anybody know what that one is? Someone said James. All right. Okay, brownie points over here. Uh, yeah, it's the book of James. Uh, James wrote the book on wisdom post-Jesus, and kind of the, the big statement from the book of James comes in 1 verse 5, and I want to read this. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
So James is saying the source of our wisdom is God, that God is the source of all wisdom. And if we want wisdom, we should ask God for it. God's not holding it back from us. God wants us to ask him for wisdom. As much as we might seek wisdom in, in books and TV shows and, and family, friends, blogs. There, who reads blogs here? Anybody read blogs? Wow, good for you guys. Okay, two, two, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we read blogs, but God is ultimately the source of all wisdom. And if we want spiritual wisdom, we need to ask for it. You know, we've all had moments where we've been at a loss as what to do. Like, you know, especially parents, right? There's times as a parent where you're just at a loss, like, I have no idea what to do. Um, you know, we've had moments where uh, we're in a restaurant and one of our kids has a blowout and we forgot to bring the diaper bag. Anybody else experience that, like, crazy rush of adrenaline? <laughs> We had to ask the kitchen one time for a knife to, like, customize some clothes to make a makeshift diaper, you know? It's just, there are interesting things like that that happen uh, when you're a parent. But we have moments where we're at a loss, like, if your kid struggles with anxiety or behavior issues or different things, like, there's times where we're at a loss asking God, what do I do? Like, how, how should I move forward? Like, God, give me wisdom so I can love my kid the way that he or she needs to be loved. And so what James is saying here is it's not up to us to figure it all out. God didn't just set us up and let us go and say, all right, go figure it out. No, he says, ask me. Ask me for wisdom. And before you do anything else, ask me. Seek me for wisdom. I like what Tim Keller said about the importance of wisdom. Uh, he said this, it's on the screen just so, because there's a lot of words and so we just, you know, we'll put it on the screen too. Uh, but wisdom is making the right choice even when there are no clear moral laws telling you explicitly what to do. Wis some decisions require knowledge, like the proper medicine to take, and some only compliance with rules, like whether to commit adultery or not. But no, no Bible verse will tell you exactly who to marry, which job to take, whether to move or stay put. Yet a wrong decision can be disastrous. You know, I think that's so true, right? Like the Bible's not going to tell you who to marry. The Bible's not going to tell you what job to take. And when you're struggling, have you ever been in that moment with God where you're like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't know. Show me. What's your will? And so wisdom is is a way where we avoid making some disastrous decisions. We need wisdom to help us live for what's truly important. And so that's the idea of wisdom, being able to navigate, not necessarily the black and white, but the gray. Like, God, what, what is your best in this situation? And so the second thing we're talking about today is adversity. And adversity you hear a lot, like, uh, if you follow sports, like the professional sports talk about adversity a lot. Like, man, that, that kid's been through a lot of adversity. Uh, the Seahawks use adversity to recruit players. Did you know this? Like this is, this is their number one criteria is if a, a player's been through uh, difficult times. And part of the reason for their success is they go after players who know how to handle adversity. And fans know how to handle adversity too if you're a Seahawks fan. So... <laughs> But, uh, but Solomon talks in Ecclesiastes 7 about adversity as the day of evil. He calls adversity the day of evil. 
Adversity is when disaster strikes. It could refer to like a, an event or it could refer to a season of adversity. It could be a season of prolonged stress. It could be a season of depression. It could be a health incident. It could be a financial hardship. There's a lot of variety into what diver adversity could be or it could be an event. It could be an accident or a traumatic situation that happened to you. And if you're living, you've experienced some sort of adversity because li to live really is to suffer. At some point, we'll all experience suffering. The first year we were in Whatcom County, um, we had friends who lost their baby at three weeks old. It was just a really horrible situation. Um, and they were great people. They loved the Lord. Um, they, uh, they'd been through difficult times before, but their baby was born with this rare stomach condition, and there was a 50% chance of survival. And we prayed, you know, people prayed, but yet the baby still didn't make it. And I remember standing in the cemetery at the, at the funeral and, uh, and just asking God why. God, why does this little child have to die? Why does this family that loves you have to suffer? And then I remember at the funeral, you know, the, the pastor is sharing. He says, you know what, guys, this, this just sucks. Like, this is just terrible. And uh, there's really no way around it. And he was totally right. It was a really difficult situation. It was, um, it totally sucked. And what Ecclesiastes shows us is that part of the madness of life is that we can't control everything. We can't control the, the trauma that happens. We can't control all the difficult things that happen. Um, and that's something that Solomon chalks up to the idea why life on, under the sun without God is ultimately meaningless because we can't control what happens. Bad things still happen to good people. Solomon talks about in verse 15, he says, I've seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of good young people and the long life of wicked people. You know, Solomon's saying the, the very fact that good people die young and that wicked people live for a long time shows us that th this world is really messed up. You know, this world is messed up and there, there really is no hope if you're just looking at life as it is. And so we can't control what happens. We all go through adversity. Um, we might struggle to understand why God would allow bad things to happen to good people. But here in Ecclesiastes 7, Solomon brings in an interesting perspective to, um, to some of life's darkest moments. Uh, he says this, he says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. He then says, sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. These are shocking statements, right? These are shocking statements. Why would someone say it's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party? That's not the way we think, right? Uh, he's saying it's better to experience sorrow, to go through sorrow, than to just spend all your time laughing. 
It's better to mourn than to be giddy and caught up in all the fun things of life. And this word better is really interesting too. He says it's actually more expressive. He says it's more desirable, more agreeable for us uh, to, to go through some of these things than to just live life like it doesn't exist. But for us, we're like, no, I'm choosing the party, okay? <laughs> I don't want to go to the funeral. I'm choosing the party. But why is sorrow better for us? Why is sorrow better for us? And it's this. It's that our heart learns wisdom through adversity. Our heart learns wisdom through adversity. Our heart learns wisdom through the hard times more than the happy times. Solomon's saying it's at the funeral where we focus on what really matters, where we really assess, like, what are we doing in life? Um, It's at the funeral where we think about the difference that someone's life made. You know, typically when, you know, when we go to a funeral, the focus is not so much on the accomplishments. It's not on the possessions. It's not on all the good times. It's really about the person's character. You know, we're going and celebrating who this person was. You know, were they a kind person? Were they a giving person? Did they love others sacrificially? You know, when someone shares a story about, you know, how someone went out of their way to help someone, that's, that's when the tears come, when we talk about how people gave sacrificially. You know, one of my mentors always challenged me to think about what my kids would say about me at, at my funeral. You know, to live life with that perspective. What will my kids say about me at my funeral? And that's a sobering thought. You know, there's so much worry, like, wrapped up into that. Like, what will my kids say? You know, was I available to them? Did I love them well? Um, did I give them what they needed? Or, or was I too focused on myself? Was I too busy? You know, it's th- those kind of questions that we sit down and we ask, am I really living wisely? Am I really giving my time to the right things? But wisdom keeps the end in mind. Wisdom prepares for it. Wisdom knows it's not all about like how much adventure we can have, how, how comfortable life is, but life is about far more than temporary happiness. And we've been talking about that for the last six weeks through Ecclesiastes. Life's about so much more than the temporary pleasure of life. And so the bigger question for us, and the bigger question as we think about like the, the short life that we get to live, is how is Christ being formed in you? How is Jesus being formed in you? How much are you becoming like Jesus? You know, what fruit are you bearing in your life? When we talk about character, people really are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Are they seeing the fruit of someone who's walked with Jesus? You know, let's just run down that list. Like, in your life, do you exude love? Does love come out of you? Do people see peace? Do they see patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. They see self-control. And of course, we'll all say, no, I'm not perfect. And that's awesome. That's great. Um, But these are the fruits of hanging out with Jesus. As we hang out with Jesus, more in in our soul, we become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient. We become like him. Our life becomes vibrant with the fruit of the Spirit. And then that kind of goes into every part of life. Like if we're loving and if God does that in us, then it goes out to other people. Before God transforms a community, he's got to transform 
us. And it's this continual work of walking with him. But it's ultimately that fruit that people will talk about in the end. Like, were you loving? Uh, were you joyful? Were you peaceful? How, how much did your life look like Jesus? So we're going to look at the next connection we see in Ecclesiastes 7, and it's this. The next connection between wisdom and adversity is that wisdom opens our heart to God's correction. This is the next part, is that wisdom opens our heart to God's correction. See, transformation in our lives can only happen uh, when we're open to God correcting us. Like when we're, when we're like, God, you can, you can have some say in my life. You know, God, you can, uh, you can tell me what to do. When we're open to God uh, shaping our lives. I just want you to listen to these verses in Ecclesiastes 7. He says, It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. The patient in spirit is better than the proud of spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. So wisdom recognize, recognizes that God is God, God is perfect, and that we are not. And wisdom recognizes that God actually, we can learn a lot from God. Did you know that? If you don't, if you get anything today, just get that. You can learn a lot from God. Um, might sound crazy, but, um, but that's the whole, Solomon's whole premise of wisdom is that it begins with the fear of the Lord. Knowing that God is God, knowing that we can learn from God, being open to God correcting us and shaping us and forming us. You know, I think most of the time, like, we'd rather just be affirmed than corrected. You know, we'd rather be affirmed than corrected. And I think it's easier for us to affirm other people than correct other people. You know, I think about work, right? What do you do at work when you're hanging out with friends and you're listening to somebody just shred somebody else? Have you been in that situation? Like whether it's a coworker, a boss, a spouse, the easy thing to do in that situation might be to affirm them. Like, yeah, that person's crazy, you know? Like just, it might be to just affirm them, but is that what a real friend should do? No. Solomon said in Proverbs 27 that wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend. A sincere friend is willing to correct. If we are always affirmed and we're never corrected, then we never grow. I mean, if we're always affirmed and we're never corrected, we never grow. About a year into my job as a recruiter, um, I was assigned to a new boss, and early on, um, that, that boss had me come into his office, and he sat me down, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, Tyler, uh, there's something i got to talk to you about. We've got to do something about your wardrobe. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I was like, apparently, apparently I had not been dressing up to par with the rest of the company, and it was totally true. Um, I was rotating, like, two old shirts, and two pairs of slacks. This was like a professional working environment, and I just wasn't cutting it. I looked like a slob. So nothing's really changed, obviously. Um, but, but at first, I was, I was tempted to be offended, right? I was like, hey, how dare you, man? Like, you know, uh, who do you think you are? Um, but he was right. He was right. Like, he knew that the way I dressed was going to get in the way of, of me being successful at this company. And so he wasn't afraid to tell me that. 
And I really appreciated that, that he didn't let me just go run around looking like a slob that wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I stepped it up a little bit. I've since gone down, but back then I stepped it up a little bit. <laughs> um, but like my boss, real friends are not afraid to speak up. We're not afraid to speak up. Like if we see somebody going off track, we don't have to be harsh, but we can lovingly bring them back into the right path. Um, one of my favorite quotes, I've shared this before, but it's worth sharing again, is that if you love someone, then you can say anything to them. And I really believe that. If you really love someone, if you really love someone, and, and, um, then, then you can say anything to them. Like if, if you see them taking a bad step, or you see them walking away from, uh, fr from following Jesus, or veering off and, and doing things they shouldn't, then you can say something, say something to them. You know, as you grow in relationship to others, you're always going to see good and bad because we're not perfect, right? No one's perfect. You're always going to see, man, you're amazing over here, and you have some stuff to work on over here. And we're not supposed to be treating our friends like American Idol judges or anything like that. But if we see people taking a step off track, it is okay. And God actually wants you to say something, to restore your brother, to restore your sister. He'll use you to speak truth into their lives. And at the same light, we have to be open when we to receive correction ourselves. And not from anyone. I'm not saying, okay, be, you should take everybody's criticism to heart. Um, far from that. But if, if someone who loves the Lord and, and who you trust is speaking to you, instead of being defensive, discern what they're saying. Like, discern what God might be speaking to you in that situation. You know, we have to be willing to be in a relationship with people that can put us back on the right path. Like, you know, a, a word that's difficult for someone to say, um, but is correcting, has been so much more helpful to me than, than uh, someone who's just affirmed uh, what I was doing. And so, the wise listen to correction. And then God might also shape us, not just through other people, but in periods of, of our lives where we don't always get what we want. You know, you know the song, right? I always sing that song to my kids, you can't always get what you want. Um, I'm not going to do that for you this morning. But Solomon says patience is better than pride. So God might teach us through seasons of our lives where we don't get what we want where we might ask him for something, ask him to uh, remove something like a, like a health scare, or he might ask a, we might ask him to pro provide for our financial need, and he might be saying, wait. He might be saying, no, not yet. And ultimately, he wants us to put our hope in him. You know? And so by learning to take, take things a day at a time, like we're learning how to put our hope in God. And so he might also teach us wisdom by those seasons where we have to wait. And, and we've all been in those seasons where we have to wait. We don't just get what we want right away. And so the final connection that we see between wisdom and adversity is this. Wisdom takes comfort from knowing God is in control, regardless of the situation we're in. Wisdom takes comfort from knowing God is in control regardless of the situation we're in. Wisdom gives control to God, even in the things that we don't understand. 
even in the pain that we don't understand, that we're all given, the day of adversity comes for us all, we still trust God in those times. Solomon says that we have to rest in that fact, rest in God's control, to be patient. Uh, but, if, but let's be real, I mean, it's difficult sometimes to release these things to God. We fight him often over uh, the hard things in our lives. It's easier to trust that God's in control when things are good, when things are easy. When we're going through that desert season, like it's harder to trust that he is in control. Um, you know, we, we've all had times in our lives where our health was challenged, uh, where we've had relationships that have gone awry, where that's all you can think about. Um, we've had times where it's been difficult to pay the bills, um, you know, questions about our kids, and in, it's in those times where we really ask, God, are you in control? And this morning, I can't put a bow on that question, like, yeah, don't worry. The message is not, don't worry, be happy, this morning. It's not easy to suffer. It's not easy to go through difficult times. Um, bad things still happen to good people. Um, like my friends who lost their baby, bad things still happen to good people. But I do know that we have a God that we can trust in. I do know that we have a God who loves us. I do know that we have a God who cares about us. And why is that? It's because Jesus faced the ultimate adversity for our ultimate good. Like Jesus faced adversity, suffering, pain for our good because he loved us. You know, we don't have a God who is just content with us to suffer. Like, the world is filled with suffering. Um, because of sin, there's this curse that we're all under. God wasn't content to let us live without hope. But he sent his son Jesus into our suffering world to take that on. He sent us into the world to take on suffering and death and show us this way to life. You know, it's, it says in Romans that the father didn't spare his own son, but he gave, us up for, he gave him up for us all. You know, he died this horrible death on a cross for us. Like, the father was willing to let his son die so that we might have life. And knowing that, Jesus trusted in his father's control. Jesus, even though he was facing death, he trusted his father. Um, when he was on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, before uh, he was, the, the day before he was going to suffer and die, he cried out to his father. And he was sweating blood at this time. And he prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Take away my burden. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So even Jesus, even Jesus in his humanity, struggled to accept the will of God in his life struggled with this reality of suffering. He didn't want to die, but it was his death that would give us eternal life. It was God's will that he would die and rise again so that we could be restored. So in our day of adversity, when we face the struggle, when we face the pain, can we say the same thing to God? Can we say, not my will, but your will be done? When we don't understand, when we're in over our head, are you willing to say that? Not my will, but your will be done. In our day of prosperity, are you willing to say, not my will, but your will be done? In our day of prosperity, sometimes that's harder to pray. 
wisdom yields to the work of God in our lives. God can use us, every situation, for his kingdom, his glory, but the road is not easy. Following Jesus is not easy. It's extremely difficult. Um, but it's a far better one than living without hope. Like following Jesus can be tough, but it's way better than living without hope. And we don't walk it alone. We walk with the Spirit of God. Like the Spirit makes it easy. When we desire God, when our, when our hope, we talked about desires last week, but when our desires change and we want to spend time with God, that's what makes it easier. And so I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if you're in the day of adversity. I don't know if you're in the day of prosperity. But wherever you're at, will you seek God for wisdom? Will you seek him for wisdom? Will you be open to his correction? You know, it's life in the spirit where we really get to experience um, a life that matters. Where when we, at, at the end of it, when we die, we get to die knowing that we lived for what matters. We get to go to eternity in heaven. You know, nothing's more valuable than that. Somebody took the fruits of the Spirit and they talked about how in the end God wants us to all be a nine fruit tree. I really like that. God wants our lives to be a nine fruit tree. You know, he's working on all of us. He's tending us all. But at the end of it, God wants us to have a life where we bear love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what will matter in the end. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being in control over every situation. Jesus, thank you for being a God who's present with us, a God who's at work with us, a God who's never finished with us, but always working to change us from the inside out. Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you and follow you. Whatever that step is this morning, God, if we're uh, struggling with doubt, Lord, if we've looked for wisdom in all these different ways and haven't found it, God, would you point our eyes up to you this morning? Lord, if we're struggling with the weight of a decision, Lord, where we're standing and we're in the, in the gap and we're like, I don't know which way is better, God, would you just give that to us, God? Would you give that wisdom to us this morning? Father, that we could trust you in all of that. And Lord, if we're in the day of adversity this morning, God, would you speak to that place? If we're struggling, God, to, uh, to see you in the difficulty of our situation, would you just speak to our hearts this morning? Would you show your presence to us? Life doesn't make sense a lot of the time. But Lord, you dove into it, God. You died for us. You loved us, God. Even when we were off and alone, God, you came and you uh, brought us to life with you. So, Lord, I pray as we close today, I pray that you would just be present with us, speaking to us. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, as we wrestle with adversity, as we wrestle with the hard things of life, would you give us wisdom? And if we're in the day of prosperity, if things are good, would you help us to live for wisdom that we wouldn't lose our perspective and just go off and do our own thing, but that we would still seek your wisdom? Lord, that we would be more concerned about bearing the fruit of the Spirit than being comfortable. God, would you give us that this morning? Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.